It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into your daily source for the Cincinnati Reds throughout the offseason. This is the Locked On Reds podcast, and I'm your host, Jeff Carr. And here we go. What's up, Reds fans, and welcome into the Locked On Reds podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. On today's show, we have a special guest, Jeff Ellis. He hosts Locked On Indians. He's also the MLB draft expert for the Locked On podcast. And we're going to kick off some coverage for the draft that happens next week, June 10th. And it'll be on ESPN, and I think it's also on Fox Sports and MLB Network as well. We'll be looking at what the Reds will possibly do here with the first-round pick at number 12. And for the rest of the week, going to break down some draft angles. Going to hopefully have on a couple of compelling guests to talk about what the Reds may do. Jeff Ellis will kick that off here with us right now. All righty, for today's Locked On Reds, we're going to start looking more in-depth at the upcoming MLB draft. As we're recording this, it is a week away. It's on June 10th. And according to reports that I've seen and stuff like that, you will be able to watch it on ESPN and I think Fox Sports. And well, let's just put it this way. There's no other baseball going on. So it's going to be televised and we're going to be talking a lot about it. The Reds' future will be decided. Okay, not really because, I mean... It's going to be a while before we see these guys, but there are some really awesome names who could affect the future of the Reds down the road. And I have with me here today a man who knows way more about this stuff than I do. He is the host of the Locked On Indians podcast and Locked On's, or one of two Locked On MLB draft experts. His name is Jeff Ellis. Jeff, how you doing, sir? Thanks for having me on. I'm doing well. It's a, a fun time of year for sure. I think I'm actually going to try to do either like a hot mic or a YouTube live stream on draft night as well. Just to, if people want to look at something online, I'll uh, I'll be posting that the, the day of the draft if they want to. You know, my takes tend to be different, I'll be honest. So uh, something uh, a little outside the spectrum. That's all right. And definitely worth plugging the content. You you are very knowledgeable about this stuff. That's why I wanted to have you on because I just learned about Austin Hendricks. There was we had a mock. Let's move on to pick number twelve, the Cincinnati Reds. Shout out to Jeff Carr, locked on Reds. Cincinnati Reds here. We have them taking a prep outfielder. Jeff, why don't you tell us more about Austin Hendrick, an outfielder from West Allegheny High School in Pennsylvania? Well, before I dive into him, I'll just say historically, the Reds are kind of all over the place. They've been hyper conservative the past few years. Before that, they were taking some big gambles and risks. They could do anything. Uh, They're a team I don't think is really locked into any particular uh, motive or approach to the draft. We do know that they are not finicky about age, which is a big deal with Austin Hendrick, as he is going to be, I believe, 19 on draft day, or already is 19. So he's one of the older high school players. Uh, Cold weather bat, big time power, awesome bat speed questions about the hit tool um 
you know, if you're the Reds, you could be like, oh, well, maybe he could be Adam Dunlight down the road. Uh, that he's, you know, a, a big, strong, big power guy. Not going to ever hit for a high average more than likely. Um, that's, you know, probably what you're looking at at the ceiling. There's kind of a big three outfielders uh, for this class, and he is, at this point, kind of fallen to the third guy. There was a point where he was maybe viewed as the number one a little bit earlier on. It's conceivable the Reds, who do like athletes, could decide to maybe go for someone like PCA here. I will just keep that Pete Crow Armstrong in the background, um, as they've been tied mostly to the big three, but with Armstrong being the fourth and the Reds liking athletes, that's in the back of the mind, but I think Hendrick is pretty clearly the the third ranked prep outfielder in most places at this point in time. And one thing with uh, Cincinnati that I really like is they will ignore some of the demographics. You see them take Hunter Green with the second overall pick just a few years ago. Just uh, what was it two years, three years before that they took the prep catcher. Um, oh, Stevenson. Stevenson, right? Tyler Stevenson is that his name? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Tyler Stevenson. Um, the Reds are, uh, you know, right now what I'm hearing, all in on high school outfielders. And Austin Hendrick definitely would be the best of the bunch. I like that they do kind of generalize a group that they focus in on and that they do take the best player available of that group, which I think is the reason why Austin Hendrick goes here as opposed to a Pete Crow Armstrong or others that are available. Uh, maybe they do go the college pitching route. There's going to be a lot of teams that go the college pitching route with such a strong class with the college pitchers. But I really like Austin Hendrick. Uh, the hit tool is going to need to develop, of course, but the the raw power, the athleticism, I think that's really going to assist in his hit, uh, in his hitting, also his fielding, of course. I love the torque. You know, it's like um, obviously he's not the athlete or has the hit tool that Bryce Harper did, but this is very reminiscent of a Bryce Harper type kind of torque, that kind of violent swing that you just you kind of fall in love with when he makes contact. It's just how much contact is he going to make? I'm a big fan of Austin Hendrick. I mean, I know he's older for the class. Uh, I know that there's a swing and miss concerns, and the and the hit tool re- really isn't there as much as it is with others. But this is just a guy that I really enjoy watching play baseball and watching him take the cage. Uh, you know, sometimes that plays out, sometimes it doesn't. But I'm definitely a fan of this pick, and I definitely think that the Reds are going to be in this range for Austin Hendrick as well. So Austin Hendricks, uh, he is a powerful bat. He is a very intriguing high school prospect committed to Mississippi State. First of all, my, my first question with this, and it's MLB draft is really the only draft that you have to worry about this question, but what are his chances of foregoing his draft selection and going to Mississippi State? I, I would put like less than 1%. Um, cool. That's yeah, I think he's he's <laughs> – pretty much well set. You know, there's a few kids where I still kind of go, eh, and we did get the Dylan Cruz announcement last night that he's forgoing, um, who joins Nate Savino, who went to Virginia, but uh, I I don't, I think Hendrick is pretty much well thought to be uh, pro-bound. Well, that's a, that is a good thing. And and talking about the power that he has, I know you guys, you and Taylor Blake Ward from Locked On Angels, we're talking about his needed improvement in the hit tool area. Is it more of just his discipline at the plate, or, or what is it that he needs most work with? Uh, it's it's kind of a mix of things. I'm just going to go ahead and put my comp on him, because I feel like I have a really strong comp with, uh, with Hendrick, and that's Clint Frazier. When you look at... Uh, Similar size, similar build, uh, both kind of spoken for their freaky bat speed. 
And, uh, you know, the big knock on Clint Frazier as well was the kind of issues with the breaking pitches and the ability to to pick things up. Now, Frazier was able to work on it and got better in terms of his pitch recognition in the minors. Uh, after year two, I was worried he would never get to the majors. So there's always the chance for that. But, uh, you know, when you draft Hendrick, you're you're looking at power, uh, plain and simply, and you're hoping he'll hit enough to access the power. Um, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention he's already 19, which I don't know if that takes him off some draft boards, but it definitely it puts him in a situation where he's he would never be considered uh, for those teams to draft because they value age so much that uh, he would never be high enough rated where he would still be on a board for one of those teams. So that's that's always a concern. Um, you know, he does have a risky profile. Uh, I know I'm a little lower than the field on him because I'm very age based and um I have concerns sometimes with guys who are uh, present build, like there's no physical room for growth. And I feel that he's kind of a very present build guy. So um, we just see some of those guys, again, like the Clint Frazier's of the world, where they, they seem to, uh, I'm trying to think of some other recent examples and blanking, but uh, it, they seem to hit a wall in terms of, you know, they can't improve themselves physically anymore. And, the upside is some guys can then just work on tools and get better. Um, again, being an Indians writer, uh, you know, I think at the other end of the spectrum would be someone like Jose Ramirez, where he was five foot nine and it always had his figure the way it is. But instead of working on the physicality of it, he was just able to focus his game and I mean, became a completely different player. So you can see different ends of the spectrum with that. But uh, yeah, his uh, probably the best bat speed in the draft. Uh, you're going to have to deal with some contact issues. But I mean, it's Cincinnati. You've, he's not Adam Dunn, but you've dealt with, you know, an Adam Dunn with high strikeouts and big power before. Right. I mean, Absolutely. who doesn't love who doesn't love Adam Dunn? I, oh, man, he is a, a he's definitely one of my favorite players from back in the day. And when you mention his name. That's always a good thing. And then also you mentioned Clint Frazier as well. That was a guy who uh, last year kind of, and definitely the last couple of years, the Reds have Reds fans have looked at around the trade deadline and thought maybe the Reds could go out and get him and add him as a power bat there in the outfield. Obviously that didn't happen. Maybe who knows how available he even was. That was just a name that was being thrown around. But the comp is good, and, and we're happy with that comp. And looking at some of the stuff that I, I read, like on Baseball America and things like that, they really seem to like that power. And it'll be interesting to see how he develops, You know, assuming the Reds do end up picking him. When it comes to this year, this year being a brand new frontier for the MLB draft of only having five rounds plus you add in the fact of truncated scouting season and all that good stuff are are the Reds in better position or worse position I know that most teams probably aren't in better position but you mentioned that they kind of aren't that predictable when it comes to the draft no they uh they're hard to nail down um (laughs) to put it nicely and it's it's one of those things where, uh, you know, I was talking with you before I went on air. I actually, they've they've taken a lot of my favorite players over the years, and a lot of them, unfortunately, just have not worked out. But, you know, the la- uh, last two years, they went super conservative with their top picks. But, like, last year, after that top pick, they went, uh, they took two players I love, uh, great value picks. Uh, Tyler uh, Callahan, in particular, was one of my favorite, see, third-round value. I mean, yes, yeah, he was I viewed him, yeah, I viewed him as a top 50 guy, so, like, I loved that pick. Um, but 
they, you know, Hunter Green, I thought, I, I mean, I called him a generational talent. We'll see if he can come back from injury and get there. But, um, you know, they'll take a Hunter Green and then two years later, Nick Lodolo, who is like the poster boy for the safe pick in that draft. Same thing with Jonathan India. So they could be anywhere. They could be looking at anything. I really think that uh, teams that have the advantage are teams that uh, spend a lot of time and were very heavy in the Cape. If any team has an advantage right now, it's teams that uh, typically really rely on the Cape because that was really the only extended look that you had on a player in the last calendar year. Absolutely. And with this being said, it's definitely uh, worth asking in this truncated scouting season, there there are no Knicks that are rated around the 12th pick, are they? Uh, well, I mean, our top Nick is Nick Gonzalez. Sadly, he will not be there. But the guy who could go there, I mean, the number 11 player on my board, if uh, I'm giving something away as I haven't posted that yet, is Nick Bitsko, the uh, right-handed pitcher, another Pennsylvania high school kid. Uh, and then after that, you're probably looking at Nick Lofton, the shortstop from Baylor, who would be kind of a, a reach. But, uh, yeah, he could join the many Knicks in uh, Cincinnati Reds' first-round uh, drafting history. We What, four we could at least think of off the top of our heads? Yeah, Lodolo, Sinzel, Travieso, and Howard. Two of those of which no longer play the sport of baseball, at least professionally. I mean, they might, you know, on the side or something, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> When we, when we look at Reds' possibilities of picks, we've got the mock draft pick that makes the most sense talent-wise, ranking-wise, and you know where they could fit in the organization. And then we've got another column over here that says uh, Nick, highest-rated Nick, and the Reds probably are also looking at them too. Yeah, I was, I was trying to think. I know I had something for a while with uh, another team like that, and I'm, I'm blanking. I'm like, no, the Angels were like, uh, okay, random athletic outfielder named... And I can't remember what it was or, you know, someone I, I literally had a joke for my sleeper pick a few years ago because they kept taking similar named players. Here in just a moment, Jeff and I get into some of the Reds possible strategies if they don't, in fact, go right for Austin Hendrick, maybe a, a pitcher or something like that. And also we look at another guy who has been mocked by a few people who uh, the who Taylor and Jeff both mentioned in the clip that we played earlier, Pete Crow Armstrong. But before I do that, I, I don't know if you guys have ever actually gone to rockauto.com, but it is super easy. If you go to rockauto.com right now, on the left side, they have all the makes for just about every single possible car you can possibly think of whatever car you have like for me i'm gonna go to buick you click on buick it pops down all the model years uh, click on 2016 and verano and i well i wish i had a turbocharged engine i don't so i click on the non-turbocharged engine and bam you've got all the parts that my buick verano will ever need whether it be accessories belt drive heating and air ignition wipers even on rockauto.com, you can get it all right here in one place, and they've got the best prices on the internet. Go to rockauto.com, and in the where did you hear about us section, type in locked on to let them know that Jeff from Locked On Reds sent you. Also, if you have not already done so, take advantage of this offer. I'm begging you for Postmates. Download the Postmates app and enter promo code LOCKEDON. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. You'll get free delivery 
for your first seven days of up to $100, and there's no delivery minimum. If you just want a sandwich, and that's all you want from Jersey Mike's, you want to get a little sandwich or something like that delivered to your door, no delivery minimum. You get free delivery with the promo code locked on for your first seven days. And just like Jersey Mike's, they've got great selection as far as what kind of restaurants are on there. There's even some convenience stores to pay on where you're located. If you're like me and you're in Cincinnati, you've got Kroger and you've got Target, you've got Walgreens and all that good stuff. They can go pick up some essentials for you and bring them right to your door. That's the Postmates app with the promo code locked on for free delivery for your first seven days of up to $100 with no order minimums. Promo code L O C K E D O N in the Postmates app. Well, it's funny. It's interesting because when I, I remember looking about a month ago just to see what the rumblings were about the Reds draft prospects, and I know at the beginning of May there were some thoughts that they may go with a college pitcher, and specifically I saw something about a college right-handed pitcher. I know that you guys had mentioned in that clip that we played that this is a very deep draft for the college pitchers, I've also read some stuff that the Reds are now all in on picking an outfielder. Where do you think they lean between those two? You know, I, when you look at uh, the, I know in my uh, first mock back in my way too early mock, I, Max Meyer was the guy after the Reds being the whole idea that this feels like a bit of an all in year. And Max Meyer is one of those guys who you, I think has present MLB stuff. I don't think he's going to be there anymore. And when you look at, the pitching where they're likely to be, I think most people expect kind of that first tier of arms to have been uh, well and gone. So you're looking at guys with significant risk um, who or guys with short track records. So unless they went with a prep player, it seems, you know, unlikely to go, uh, you know, with the right-handed pitcher in particular, because I, I personally, I don't see the value at that point in the draft, I know others, you know, if, you, if you're big into Cade uh, Cavalli from Oklahoma, then maybe you would. But I, I don't see that as much there uh, with, you know, they have a fantastic pitching coach. They have a really good minor league pitching system they're putting together. You know, it does make me wonder if they would be a team that would consider one of the prep arms just because they have to, you know, they can trust their I, I, I would think they would trust their ability to develop them. And some of the prep arms would be, uh, you know, your best value at that point in time. They can build him to be a stronger pitcher is what you're saying. Yeah. I mean, it's, <laughs> you, you go and you look at like, again, I'll throw out the Nick for you. Uh, Nick Bitsko, who reclassified uh, for this draft. Uh, it, my random favorite piece of trivia that like, I don't think anyone else really cares about, but if he had stayed for his, he had stayed through uh, his senior year of high school. He would have been he would have gone to Virginia and been uh, draft eligible sophomore. So by classifying early, if he doesn't sign and goes to Virginia, he'll have to wait till his junior year. So he he left high school early and will have the same draft year no matter what. But uh, he posted some you know we have some of his TrackMan data and. I was I went over I don't always like to look at I don't like to look at in-depth reports from other places. I'm always curious to look at lists, uh, to be honest, just because uh, looking over everyone's lists, I can start to start to see like, 
like I have almost no connections with the Rockies. I'll just be honest about that. So a lot of stuff is conjecture for me or looking at past stuff. But I'll try to see if other lists are all lining up a pick. And then I'm like, okay, so they have inside information maybe. But I did read uh, Kylie McDaniel had a piece on Bitsco that had the TrackMan data. So when I heard that there was that specific data, I'm like, okay, I'm going to go look at this and read this. And, you know, the TrackMan was off the charts and, uh, you know, the spin rate. And he's already a high 90s guy. And he's, you know, six foot four, cold weather arm. And since he didn't really pitch, he didn't have a senior year and didn't pitch at all as a junior. He doesn't also have all the the extra. He's got, you know, two free years in his arm. So uh, if they're going to go for a prep pitcher, I think uh, he's kind of perfect because you also get that chance to uh, he doesn't have as many bad habits built in. I noticed that when you were describing Austin Hendrick, you mentioned cold weather bat, and now with Bitsko, you mentioned cold weather arm. I obviously Cincinnati, we seem to have lots of cold temperatures around here, which is annoying because I like warm temperatures. But how big a deal is it if you're looking at a prospect and you say, "Well, he's he's from California, or he's from Texas, he doesn't really have that cold weather uh, capability." How much do teams consider that, and how big of a deal is that with the prospect? Uh, you know, it kind of varies team to team. It is interesting. Again, you know, leaning on, I started out as an Indians writer and now I do locked on Indians. And, right. you know, I think my, my first write up on them was, uh, the Alex white draft in 2009. So that's when I started it gave me a lot of time to get very familiar. And basically it's like the Indians are going to be Georgia, California or cold weather. They love cold weather bats because you view it as they didn't get as many opportunities. Um, so they didn't get scouted as much. So they might be underrated and they have more potential for growth. So when you talk about cold weather arm, uh, you know, you're, you're looking at less, less wear on the tire. And you're looking at a guy where there might be extra growth potential in there just because there weren't as many opportunities uh, for that player. So I, like I said, for some teams, it's a big deal. Like they seem to specifically target those type of guys. Um, not was it wasn't Nick Hansen. I'm trying to think of the Hansen a few years ago, who was the like a fourth or fifth rounder from the Minnesota ranks to the Reds. So let me see if you can pull that up. But um, you know, that's like an example of a cold weather arm where we had barely seen him pitch. Um, I remember that was a big deal, and I, I liked that pick. I'm not sure how it's worked out. It is. It's another Nick. Nick Hansen. Yep, Nick Hansen. <laughs> <laughs> and Burnsville. Uh, Minnesota, which is interesting because I'm pretty sure that's where Sam Carlson, who was a second round pick of the um, the Mariners, and whose brother Max is a is a dra- draft eligible prep pitcher this year. It's uh, apparently a place for pitching. And while uh, now I look at the data, it's like Hansen was hurt um, clearly, maybe multiple times, and just hasn't had the opportunities. But you know, when you take someone like that, you're you know you're getting a someone who's a bit more raw with a bit more ceiling. And again, I think that we saw last year the you know the Pitching coach is fantastic, and now they're bringing in more driveline stuff. And you know, it, you have to if you're going all in, you have to trust your ability to do that. And if you trust your ability to develop, um, you know, taking some of these cold weather arms again, there's a chance for less bad habits and more, uh, maybe you know, less overall wear on arms. As we're always concerned with, you know, the uh, sorry, having a moment where my mind shut down we're always concerned with arms and injury sure yeah and you know i know that the reds front office listens intently and in kyle Bodie we trust so if that is a route you want to take I, i'm okay with it um i'm just kidding they probably don't listen um <laughs> when we so we we've mentioned nick bixco uh 
Bitsco. Boy, that's going to be fun to say if they pick him. Um, <laughs> the, 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 the other option that you and Taylor had mentioned was PC8. Tell me a little bit about him. I, I, I honestly haven't had a chance to really look up too much about him. So uh, PCA, as he's called, you know, or uh, Pete Crow Armstrong, uh, he comes from the Harvard Lake, uh, Harvard Westlake uh, program, which is one that has like three guys get drafted every year or three, you know, players that go the high route. It's one of the top programs. And he's, you know, one of those guys who has been talked about as a potential 1-1 player for, you know, like two years out from this draft, which basically is a kiss of death. Um, and I feel like with any player like PCA or a few years ago with Bryce Terang and some, you know, I could keep going back. It's when a guy gets anointed early, then people start looking at what they can't do instead of just accepting what they are. Sure. And it causes, you know, it's like, oh, he doesn't have power. I'm like, well, he never really was going to have power. He's not that, you know, he's a guy who just has a long history of making contact everywhere hitting the best uh, pitchers he faces, uh, being a pest in the batter's box, on-base skills, plus runner, and then, you know, like a potential plus-plus defender in center field. You're you're looking more at uh, what he does in center field first and foremost, and then his ability uh, is just in the batter's box to, to be an on-base machine uh, to a degree and uh, just be a pest. I don't mind that contact hitter on base machine. We'll have to see how that all plays out. Um, I, I really appreciate your time, Jeff, talk, uh, getting us started off on the draft coverage here on Locked On Reds. There was one other thing I wanted to ask, and I know that this is definitely more of a thought from fans when it comes to like football or basketball or something like that. How often do baseball teams draft on organizational need as opposed to just best player available early on it's pretty rare that we do see teams occasionally especially if they you know look at a guy who could be quick to the majors maybe uh shift a little bit towards organizational need i i would say after day one though we see it a lot more so i mean the common thing is everyone's like it doesn't happen and i've probably been guilty of saying that but it's not true it does happen you know there's reasons why a team might take two or three catchers um, in round three through 10 in the past. And that's because they don't have any in system and they're hoping to find one and you need so many uh, at that position. And then day three is almost entirely uh, filling in your, your minor leagues. But early on uh, it's, a, I consider it the tiebreaker. So if players are close uh, and money is close, then your next tiebreaker up is, uh, you know, either positional value, which I assume would go into the first part. And if, you know, you have those guys still that closely rated, I think then it does come into, well, we're very strong at this, but we're very weak at this. Then let's take, you know, the the guy who fills that weakness because we have them graded the same and they're going to be in the, the same pool to sign uh, for money. So it's it's a small percentage early on, but it's definitely one of those things where it's each round becomes more of a thought. And for those who would say, like, oh, why did the Reds draft an outfielder? They've already got, like, 12 outfielders they can't play. That's because we're not going to see Austin Hendrick or, you know, if, if uh, a Veen or a Hassel falls to the Reds, we're not going to see those guys for a couple of years. So everyone that likes to jump on the take of, well, why did they draft a position they already have? Don't. That's not it. 
I just, I never, there's always people that do that. I always hear people, that, oh, well, why did they draft that guy? Why did they draft a pitcher? They already got pitchers. Organizational depth. Come on, guys. All right, no, Jeff. It's very oh. common. I just yeah. say it's very common. I mean, I had someone get mad at me because I, in my mock, I had a shortstop to the Royals. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> well, you, you can never have too many of them. Absolutely. I mean, the Reds are a perfect example of that. We've got Freddie Galvis now, and we're looking at a backup of either Kyle Farmer or A. Eugenio Suarez, which, don't get me wrong, I love A. Eugenio, but he was moved out of the shortstop position because he's a much better fielder at third base. I, anyway, that that's another podcast entirely. Jeff, thank you so much for your time, man. And we know that the Locked On Indians podcast is everywhere that you can find the Locked On Reds podcast. And looking forward to uh, hopefully getting some baseball going because I know that the Reds and the Indians will be hooking up a little bit more this season because of the way that they're going to work out the schedule. So look forward to talking to you again soon about that. No, definitely. And I mean, at some point they have to hook up for some trade of some sort, right? Doesn't that become almost a yearly <laughs> tradition between them? Hope, uh, I, I'm, I'm hoping on a feller who, who plays shortstop for um, the Indians, but I don't know. That's Who knows? Maybe that'll happen. You could, you know, we'll just leave it there, you know, for the future. I'm, I'm saying that the Reds are one of like four teams when I went through all of baseball and tried to find teams that would make sense. The Reds were like one of four that I gave my stamp to. So you can leave it, uh, leave it at there for the future. Well, I would be okay with that. Jeff, thank you so much for joining me and I look forward to talking to you again soon. No, thanks for having me on. It's always fun to talk draft and uh, hopefully this year the Reds will take someone I like who, who pans out and I won't be this bad curse on uh, the Reds organization. You heard it first, Nick Bixco, it is. <laughs> That'll do it for us here on this episode of the Locked on Reds podcast. Thank you so much for downloading and listening. Joining me today, make sure that you are subscribed. That way you don't miss any episodes moving forward. We're hopefully going to be covering, hopefully, maybe, who knows. Some, I, I, I remain positive, I really do, but some good news. Hopefully we'll have some uh, rumblings and grumblings about what the MLB season will look like this week. Also, we'll be covering a lot of draft stuff, taking a look at what the Reds have done in the past, what they can do this season, and how that's going to affect them moving forward. You're not going to want to miss any of that. Also, if you missed any of the episodes from last week, the Time Machine episodes, looking back at 2012, had a couple of great interviews in there with Sam LeCure, Bronson Arroyo, of course, talked with Stephen Offenbaker about 2012 as well, talked with him earlier this week looking at Freddie Galvis and the shortstop position as well as some other Reds-related topics. And, yeah, uh, just make sure and go check those out. But that's going to be it for us here today. Now, tell your smart device to play the Locked On MLB podcast. We'll talk to you guys again soon. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.